Welcome to our sermon podcast here at City of Light Anglican Church. We are a new church in Aurora, Illinois, finding a new day in Jesus. We want to see the light of Jesus rise and shine in our hearts, in our homes, and in our neighborhoods. Thanks for joining us for today's message. On Friday, March 13th, our governor issued an executive order to shelter in place. That's right, it was a Friday the 13th. (laughs) And two weeks later, on March 29th, another announcement was made, this time not by a Pritzker, but by a Krasinski. John Krasinski announced that he had some good news, and he started doing his web series of some good news, which was almost as good as our own Emma Markham's happy news stories on Facebook. Um, almost, it was almost as good as hers. But I remember watching, when, did you guys watch these episodes? Yeah. Um, I remember watching an episode where there were grandparents and grandchildren who hadn't seen each other for weeks. And so they taped plastic bags and grocery bags and, and gloves and they used duct tape to connect all that. They made homemade PPE. Um, before this, I didn't know what PPE meant, but we all know what PPE is now. And they made, they made it homemade so that they could hug one another because they hadn't seen each other, because they missed each other and they missed that sign of affection. We all know what that feels like all too well, don't we? So when I read this letter from Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the Thessalonians, it's in our lectionary this fall, and I was reading ahead, and I read this letter. It it read like a verbal hug for people who can't be together but so long to be together by people who have such affection for one another, but they're apart. Paul visited Thessaloniki in Acts 17. You can read about it. But after just a few weeks, maybe a couple months, there's such fierce opposition that he gets run out of town. They chase him out of town, trying to beat him and kill him. And then he goes to Berea, and then they find him in Berea, and they chase him out of that town. So he goes to Athens and then Corinth. And Paul didn't know. He didn't know if his preaching in Thessaloniki had taken root. He didn't know if they had fully received the gospel, especially since they were experiencing such fierce opposition. And I think he was also really worried that they felt abandoned by him, that they felt like he didn't care for them, that he wasn't full of affection for them. So in verse uh, 17 of chapter 2, he says, but brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned, by being separated from you. He felt like an orphan when he wasn't with them. He said, we were separated from you in person, but not in thought. And out of an intense longing, we made every effort to see you. Chapter three continues, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to hear about your faith. So Paul sends Timothy to go back and and, and find out. And then Timothy comes back. It's like the, the longest waiting for a response. You know, do you ever send a text message and you're like waiting for like a minute for someone to respond and it like takes, he has a journey all the way there, stay there, journey all the way back. And Timothy gets back to Paul and Silas and he goes, they're full of love and faith. They're a church that loves one another. They're standing strong in the midst of opposition. In fact, he says this in, in chapter three, they're have pleasant memories of us, and they long to see us just as we long to see them. So Paul, Silas, and Timothy immediately write this letter and send it back. 
Now, usually when Paul writes a letter for the first several verses, he will talk about how grateful he is for that community. In this letter, he spends the first several chapters telling them how much he loves them, how much he misses them, how much he prays for them. It's 60% of the letter. It's his greeting and thankfulness for them. And as I read it, I was just so full of affection for you and how much we long to be with one another and how much we miss each other and the affection that we have for one another as brothers and sisters in this family and what it means this morning that some of you are able to be here even though we're 10 feet away and we're wearing masks and what it means that not everyone is and some of you are participating online and we miss you and I miss you. Our last service together at Hill Elementary was on March 8th, 28 weeks ago. And we don't know the next time we'll be able to all be together in the room. But I found myself praying the prayer that Paul ends this first few chapters with. He says, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. And I pray that for us as a church. Paul says in verse 2, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. And City of Light, I thank God for you. We've been through a hard season. It's still going on. And Paul thanks God for the Thessalonians, specifically for their resilience, for their endurance, their ability to quickly recover from um, difficulties to, to stand in the face of suffering and opposition. Verse 3, look at it there with me. We remember before our God and Father your work. And when Paul talks about work, he's talking about the work of ministry, the work of inviting people to receive the gospel. I thank I think God and the Father for your work produced by faith, because you know it's true. Your labor prompted by love, and that labor is a, a physical labor. It's the, it's the practical care for one another. It's the working so that we can be generous to one another. It's the, it's the day-to-day the -day relationship that requires intention and care and sacrifice. And that phrase from Paul, the labor of love, became an English expression that we use. Oh, it was a labor of love. And your endurance, inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the faith, it's faith in the Lord that allows us, even amidst a pandemic and racial unrest and political divisiveness, to do the work of ministry, to love one another and love the world. It's, it's the love for one another and for the Lord that prompts us, even in the middle of all of these things, to to do the extra work to care for one another. And City of Light, I thank you. I thank God for you because you've done that so well. You've checked on each other, particularly the vulnerable. Over and over again, you've sent meals and gift cards to one another. You've given generously to each other in ways that I, some of them I hear about, some of them I don't. Some of them were through the church where you gave to our COVID-19 fund and we were able to give 
we give groceries to households in our community and in our neighborhood, to, to care for the hungry, to care for the, the refugee and immigrant in Aurora, and to pay utility bills and health expenses for each other. You've continued to gather in our online groups and through our live stream and now on our online gathering and in-person gatherings when we all know that everything's a little bit harder to gather right now. And as I and other leaders have had to navigate so many external realities that meant we had to make dozens and dozens and dozens of tough decisions, you've shown such maturity in the questions you've asked and the input you've given, the support and the encouragement that you've had for me and for all of us together. And I remember you before God and I give thanks for you. It's been a, a labor of love. <laughs> And it's been an endurance inspired by hope. Verse 6, they received the gospel in the midst of suffering, in the midst of severe opposition. But it says they received it with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. How do you have joy in the midst of severe opposition? Have you had moments over the last six months where you're like, will I ever feel joyful again? Have you had a few moments maybe where the joy of the Lord has broken through? I read a book this summer. I've told several of you about it because it was so impactful to me, but it's a story of resilience that's called Boys in the Boat. It's about the 1936 U.S. Olympian uh, rowing team for the United States, their rowing team. So eight people in a boat rowing with one other person, a ninth person calling out how fast they should be rowing. And they went to the 1936 Olympics, which were hosted in Berlin, Germany, right before the Nazi regime um, started war. And so uh, Hitler and um, other leaders of the Nazi party were there spectating at this event. But the team wasn't made up like past rowing teams had been of rich East Coast elite Ivy League schools, the sons of presidents and senators and oil tycoons. It was poor working class kids who'd grown up knowing that they had to have grit and determination, knowing what it meant to suffer and to endure, knowing that they had to build resilience if they were going to make it. And it tells the story of how they faced obstacle after obstacle. It's unreal, the, the things they had to overcome and how they learned to never give up on the race, but even more, to never give up on one another. At a pivotal moment in the book, one of the coaches says to one of the boys, what matters more than how hard a man rows was how well everything he does in the boat harmonizes with what the other boys were doing. And you can't harmonize with your crewmates until you open your heart to them. You have to care about your crew. It wasn't just the rowing, but your crewmates that you had to give yourself up to, even if it meant getting hurt. Because it has to matter to you whether he wins the race, your crewmate, and not just whether you do. The coach then says, you've already learned how to row past pain, past exhaustion, past the voice that tells you it can't be done. And when you really start trusting the other ones in the boat, you will feel a power at work within you that is far beyond anything you've ever imagined. 
their rowing endurance was a labor of love. It came from their love for one another. You can push yourself so hard for yourself, but you will endure for the one you love in an even more profound way. And the Thessalonians' endurance was fueled by their affection, their affection for the Lord, their affection for Paul, Timothy, and silence, and their affection for one another. This is how we find the joy of the Spirit in the midst of suffering, endurance in the face of the opposition. It's because we're inspired by hope in Jesus, by Jesus' affection for us, by our affection for him, by the affection of Jesus that invites us into a household of God that's filled with divine, heavenly affection. We can be filled with joy of the Holy Spirit in the midst of suffering. Because for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured. He endured the cross. Despising the shame and now is seated at the right hand of the Father. Consider him who endured for our sake so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Fix your eyes on him, the author and perfecter of our faith. Our hope is in Jesus because he endured for us. And what was the joy set before Jesus? What was the hope that helped him endure? It was because he knew he was heading back to the Father's house. And he knew the Father's affection for him was everlasting and unchanging. And it was because he knew and was filled with affection for us that he was going to invite us into the love of the Father. Jesus knew that nothing could separate him from the love of God. And he was making a way so that nothing could separate us from the love of God in Christ. Not death, nor life. Not present nor past, not angel or principality or power or pandemic can separate us from the love of God in Christ or our affection for one another. Paul ends this letter by saying, rejoice always. How can you rejoice always? Well, because joy is not dependent on the pandemics of earth, but the presence of heaven with us, the love of God for us. And nothing can change that in the midst of severe suffering, where there is real grief and sorrow and loss and pain, there is also the intermingled joy of the Lord that is our strength. And the affection that Paul shows to the Thessalonians and they show to him, the affection that we show to one another, that's just a glimpse of the love of the Lord. Have you experienced a brother or sister in the church showing you affection and you realizing that you've just experienced the love of God for you just in a small measure? It's our affection for one another that gives us the resilience to endure. So church, do not grow weary in your work of faith or lose heart in your labor of love. But let's show one another the affection of the Lord. Be affectionate in this pandemic. 
That might mean you need to write, as Paul did in Silas and Timothy in this letter, some verbal hugs, some notes of affection and encouragement for one another, to speak with affection for one another. Not always our strong suit in our culture. It means showing affection to your household. And for those who are in your quarantine bubble team, to figure out ways that you can safely and comfortably show affection to one another so that our godly affection will produce resilience. And as Paul prayed for the Thessalonians at the end of his grateful for them section, his affection section, I'm going to pray for us. Now may God our Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in his presence when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from City of Light Anglican Church. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at cityoflightanglican.org. And now, may the light of Jesus scatter the darkness from before your path. Thank you.